What are the differences between the Quran and the Bible? What did Jesus and Muhammad have in common, and how do they differ? For the answer to these and other fascinating questions comparing Christianity and Islam, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope. I'm Dave Reagan, Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries, and I am delighted to have with me once more this week a very special guest by the name of Mark Gabriel. Mark is a former professor of Islamic history at Al-Hazar University in Cairo, Egypt, the world's premier Islamic University. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And Mark, we are very glad to have you back with us. Folks, last week we discussed Mark's upbringing in Egypt as a Muslim. He told us that he grew up in a devout Muslim family and had the entire Quran memorized by the time he was 12 years old. He attended Al-Zar University in Cairo, the Harvard of the Arab world, where he graduated second in a class of 6,000. He then became a professor of Islamic history at the university. He also became a Muslim imam at a mosque in Giza where the pyramids are located. An imam is the equivalent of a Christian pastor. When Mark began to publicly question some aspects of Islam, he was suddenly arrested, tortured, and nearly killed before he was rescued from prison by a politically powerful uncle. When he returned home, he met a Christian pharmacist who gave him a Bible. He started reading the New Testament and encountered Jesus, and he encountered a sense of inner peace like he had never experienced before. When he revealed that he had become a Christian, his father tried to kill him to save the honor of the family. He finally fled to South Africa, where he was given refuge by a Christian family. Assassins pursued him to South Africa and nearly killed him. He fled to the Congo and finally came to this country where he was granted religious asylum. He now resides in Florida and travels extensively telling the truth about the religion of Islam. Mark is also the best-selling author of three books published by Charisma Press. They are Islam and Terrorism, Islam and the Jews, and his newest, just published, Jesus and Mohammed. Mark, most of our viewers have never read the Quran, and they don't know really how different it is from the Bible. So fill us in. Tell us, give us a comparison here between the Bible and the Quran. Yes, the Quran, uh, as uh, Muslims believe, considered the holy book of Islam. The size of the Quran, it's exactly like the size of the books of the New Testament. And the book um, contains 114 chapters. Which are called surahs. Which called in Arabic term, Arabic language, surahs. Okay. Exactly. And uh, the book is considered, uh, um, as the Muslims believe, the word of Allah who was revealed directly from Allah to Muhammad through the angel Gabriel. Okay. Now, what, what, how does it differ, though? I, I mean, an average person, let's say an average Christian, has read the Bible, and he's aware that when you start reading the Bible, the Bible has lots of stories, and it tells this story and that story, and, and, and uh, the relationship with God, the nature of God is taught through stories. But you don't find that in the Quran. No, actually the Quran uh, it's, uh, wasn't really organized logically. 
And when the Quran usually uh, discuss about a specific story, for example, like the story of Abraham, or the story of Joseph, or the story of Moses, you're going to see that these stories, it's in all over the Quran. All over. So you like have... somebody shot a shotgun. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it, it's uh, the Quran, even when they translate the Quran into English or another foreign non-Arabic language, uh, they just transfer the meaning of the Quran, you see, to the English or another language. But even the, um, if, you, if even you try to uh, study the Quran, learn about the Quran from the English translation, you're going to miss more than 60% or maybe 70% of the real meaning of the Quran. I find it one of the most difficult books I've ever tried to read in my life uh, yeah. because it is so disjointed. It, it just, there's a sentence here and then the next sentence may not have anything to do with that sentence and the one after it may not have anything to do with it. it exactly. It's like in American uh, literature, we have what's called stream of consciousness writing where the person just writes whatever pops into his mind. And it, he may be talking about uh, a carnival here and, uh, and about going to church there and whatever, and it just has no relationship one to the other. It's very difficult to follow. Exactly, exactly. Now, the, the Quran is supposed to be the words of Allah. Yes. The Hadith is another book in the uh, Islamic uh, theology. What is the Hadith? Uh, the Hadith, it's the uh, word of Muhammad. In other words, the Hadith, it means what Muhammad said and what he is dead. So, so it's just, uh, what you call it, it's the record of Muhammad. Okay. His life, his activity, his word, his action, his teaching. And we, the, the Muslim call it hadith. So one, the Quran, is supposed to be the words of God. Yes. The other are the words of Muhammad. Hadith, it's the word of the Prophet Muhammad. And are they considered to be equal or, or what? Uh, Muslim, they are required to believe in the both books. Okay. Uh, Muslim, it's not enough to just believe in the Quran and they decline or deny the, the hadith. According to the Islamic law, if any Muslim going to deny any of the basic teaching of Islam, he will be converted. He will be out of Islam. And hadith, it's one of the most basics, you see, in Islamic faith. Okay. Now, another difference between the Quran and the Bible is that the Bible was written by individuals like Moses or Paul in the New Testament, where they sat down, they wrote letters, or they wrote histories or whatever. But Muhammad never did really just sit down and write the Quran no. or write the hadith, did no. he? No. No, he just simply, for example, with the Quran, he was usually in trances and he would uh, make statements and people would write those down. Exactly. And all that was compiled later on after his death, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly, yes. And the Hadith is just statements that were compiled by compilers. It might be uh, statements that wives remembered or friends remembered or whatever, and they just kind of put them all together. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Now, in the Quran, there are a lot of contra contradictions as well as in the Hadith, a lot of contradictions. Yes. For example, uh, you can find verses in the Quran that talk about loving Jews and Christians yes. and treating them with respect. Yes. Then you can find verses that talk about killing them. Exactly. How, how do you account for these contradictions? Uh, Did Allah change His mind? A Muslim, they justify these contradictions uh, by Arabic term and uh, Muslim and Islamic principle, they call it naskh. Naskh or nask. Um, this principle means um, that the, um, the, the future verse going to come, it's going to decline or cancel the, uh, what you call it, the, the, the previous verse. Okay. So a later verse yes. would 
would cancel out an earlier verse exactly. this that is, might contradict with it. They call it nasq. If you ask them, but why Allah do that? They will say, he do that for the benefit of Muslims and for the benefit of the human being. For example, being and the people. I remember you giving an example about alcohol. Yes. Give us that example. Exactly. Like, for example, when Muhammad started to uh, preach he, about his religion, the people in Arabia at that time, they were alcoholic addicts. They was loves alcohol. They cannot live without alcohol. And he finds it so, it's going to be too difficult if he's going to give them a command to stop the drinking alcohol and to obey his command. So what he did, he just gave them um, a halfway command. He said to them, no problem, keep drinking alcohol, but when you're going to come to pray to the mosque, you have to stop drinking alcohol till you finish your prayer and after your you finish the prayer, you can go back and drink alcohol again. So after a while, he came back to them and he said, no, this is, doesn't work. No alcohol going to be allowed anymore. And another verse came and canceled the previous verse. And Muslims, they become very upset, very angry. But how come? We can't do that. And a later verse says, okay, don't worry. Be patient. Believe in Allah. Believe in his prophet Muhammad. Believe in his Quranic word. And if you're going to have the ability and you're going to stop drinking alcohol in your life, Allah, he is not going to forget that. He will reward you with a river of alcohol in the paradise the day when he's going to send you to the paradise. So we go from just drinking alcohol occasionally to not drinking it during prayers to not drinking it at all to you're going to have a river of alcohol in heaven. Exactly. This is the development of the contradiction, you see, of the teaching of the Quran. And you find the same in the attitude toward Jews and Christians. Absolutely. At the beginning, it was one of respect and honor, and then uh, when they did not accept his revelation, he turned against them and began to argue, you must kill them. Absolutely. Firstly, it was a development also was taking place in this subject, in his relationship with the Jews and Christians. Firstly, he started to adore Christians and Jews, saying a wonderful thing, people of God the people who carry his word, the people who protect his word. And later, he said, yes, you are these people. But listen, I am the final prophet, came with a final testament. You have to believe in me, means he started to debate them and reaching out them. So they refused. They asked him sign, the Quran says so. Ask him sign, give us a sign that we can believe. So, and he cannot give a sign. And he went back to Allah and cried before Allah, help me to perform miracle or to give sign to these people that they can follow me. And Allah became very upset with him and said to him, okay, listen, go back to these Jewish people and these Christian people. Tell them Allah gives you plenty of miracles in the Old Testament and always you rebels and against him. No more miracles. There is no, it is only one way to submit to Islam, to accept Islam, or to pay the tax. And if you refuse to do so, you will be killed. So it was development also taking place in this, uh, you see, in this contradiction of the teaching of the Quran toward the Christian and the Jews. Folks, we're going to take a brief break at this point. And when we return, we're going to ask Mark to tell us how Jesus is portrayed in the Quran.
Mark Gabriel's fascinating story about his pilgrimage from Islam to Christianity is told in detail in this book, Islam and Terrorism. It is a story so fascinating that you will not be able to put the book down. It's one of the few books that I have ever completely read through all at one time. In addition to his personal story, Mark clearly shows that terrorism is an inherent part of true Islam. And in the process, he clearly proves that Islam is anything but a religion of peace. The book is easy to read. It will open your eyes to the truth about Islam. You will come to understand that we are really not in a war against terrorism. Rather, our war is with fundamentalist Islam. Terror is the method of our enemy. Terror is not the enemy. To get a copy of this book, give us a call at the number you see on the screen. The book can be yours for a donation of $15 or more, including the cost of shipping. Mark, let's talk a little about the Muslim view of Jesus. I, I read in the paper recently where a Muslim imam was invited to speak at a large Christian church in the Chicago area. And when he got up to speak, the very first thing he said was, I want you to know that we Muslims love Jesus as much as you Christians do. Was that an accurate statement or not? Uh, it's not. Uh, absolutely it's not. And uh, the statement of this man, it's a deceitful statement. Why? Because the image of, of Jesus Christ in the brain of Muslims, in the Quran, in the Hadith, in the teaching of Muhammad, it's totally different than the biblical Jesus. The, the, the Quranic teaching and the Islamic uh, teaching about Jesus, it's Jesus, just he is the son of Mary. He was born from Mary through a miracle performed by Allah. And he cannot be the son of God. He cannot be God. Uh, he wasn't crucified. He wasn't shed his blood. Um, all his, the biblical view about the identity of Jesus Christ, it's misinterpreted by the Quran and by the Islamic teaching. When this man say a statement like that, he absolutely deceived the Christian congregation and the church as the Muslim imam after September just, 11. Yeah, just trying to get them on his side. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Deceived the world through the secular media by telling that Islam is a peaceful religion. Now, Same way. Let me make sure I understand this. Uh, they, they do believe in a miracle birth for, for Jesus. They do. But the Mary that they identify is really confused because isn't the Mary, the mother of Jesus, identified in the Quran as Mary, the sister of Moses? Exactly. This is <laughs> one very of confused. the historical mistakes in the Quran. Yeah, exactly. a, a lot of mistakes about Old Testament because I, I get the impression that in his travels, Muhammad probably talked to a lot of Jews, exactly. a lot of Christians, got these stories, but got them all historical, mixed up. Historical mistakes, linguistic yeah. mistakes. Yes. And as, if, as we talk about contradiction of, of the Quran, yes. we have to talk also about the mistakes, the historical, yes. the, uh, okay. Now, to get back to Jesus for just a moment. Uh, so, they, they, they view his birth as miraculous in some way or other, yes. although it's from the wrong person. Yes. And then uh, the, the argument is that uh, he was not God in the flesh, that he was basically just a great prophet, right? Uh, yes, he, he considered one of the, Uli al-Azm min al-Rusul means the greatest prophets, okay. means Muhammad, um, uh, um, Moses, Jesus, Abraham, so they consider him one of the greatest prophets. But Muhammad being the final and greatest of the He prophets. is the greatest and he's the final one. Okay. Now, 
Did you say that they deny the crucifixion? They do crucify the yes. The, the, does the Quran deny the crucifixion? Absolutely. Chapter number four. Okay. Explain. وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ وَمَا صَلَبُوهُ وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ So Jesus just died? <laughs> no, they, he, he was never died. He was never crucified. When just Jews, the Jews, tried to crucify him, Allah took him to heaven. Okay. And he's still alive in heaven. Now, do they believe that there will be a second coming of Jesus? They do believe about the second coming of Jesus, yes. Tell us but about that. The, the Islamic view about the second coming of Jesus totally different than the biblical view. All what Islam is talking about, his second coming, he's going to do some things. One of these things, he's going to come and to kill all pigs around the world. Kill all pigs? All the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are you serious? Yes. This is the hadith, the word of Muhammad. Okay. It's so. And he's going to come to break the cross, any cross. Wood cross, Break all crosses. All the crosses around the world. Okay. And are going to stop the jizya, means stop collecting tax from okay. Christians. Okay. So that they can still, uh, and, uh, and he's going, uh, he going to bring justice to the world. Okay. This is the only good point. They, yeah, <laughs> it, it, he, he just picked it up from the Bible. Yes. But this is the, they view and they believe about his second coming. It's now unbelievable. Mark, your newest book, is this one here called Jesus and Muhammad. This has just come out. The subtitle, Profound Differences and Surprising Similarities. Similarities. Let's start yes. with those. There's some similarities between Jesus and Muhammad? Uh, there is some similarities, and uh, it's uh, funny similarities. Um, you see, uh, you will amaze when, when you hear about it. It's not similarities in the goodness of God. No. It's just uh, a normal similarities like um, like the way he uh, grew up, the way he was uh, acting when he was a little uh, child. Like, for example, Islam speaks as Jesus, um, as the Bible told us about prophecy, prophesied about the coming Messiah. The Islamic side, they say there is prophecy, prophesied about the coming final prophet. Okay. okay. Uh, when Jesus, he was a little uh, boy and yes. just go to the temple every time. Yes, and Simeon prophesied Exactly, yes. yeah. Uh, exactly. Simeon prophesied over him. There is another Arabian guy, his name Waraka bin Naufal. It was the cousin of his first wife. Yes. They said he prophesied about his coming. Okay. Uh, about Jesus going to the temple and debating the Jewish yes. leaders, uh, religious leaders. Muhammad, he go to the center of the, uh, the religious center of Mecca, called Al-Kaab at that time, debating with religious people. Or you see the, uh, so there is uh, sim some similarities like Jesus chose uh, 12 disciples yes. to spread his message. Muhammad chose 12, um, we can say friends, or 12 leaders to lead his army and his military in exporting Islam out of Arabia. To so you're really talking Arabia. about some similarities that are not really all that significant. Exactly. But the yeah. contrasts are something else. And to get into those contrasts, tell us a story Very of the Muslim woman that you met in South Africa. Very deeply. Jesus Christ came to bring hope, to bring forgiveness, uh, to bring peace and love. Muhammad came to bring revenge, hatred, uh, 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 lust, uh, 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 killing, bloodshed, uh, this is a, it's a very obvious. Um, like, for example, Jesus Christ, as the uh, Bible telling us, 
in John chapter 8 about the woman who was committed adultery and brought yes. to Jesus by the Jewish people. Jewish people, they knew in that time that this woman, according to the law of Moses, she will be stoned. But they came to test this great preacher and teacher in Jerusalem. What are you going to say about that? And you know the story. He confronted them. He asked them, if any one of you live with no sin, just come and stone her. They, because they knew the fact about themselves that they are sinners. They left the woman in front of him and they just walked away. Jesus came to the woman and asked her, there is anybody, any one of these people judge you? She said, no. He said to her, even me, go back and sin no more. In other words, Jesus, by what he did and said to this woman, he fulfilled his word that the Son of Man came not to kill or to destroy, but to give life. That he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He now came to happened? bring life. What happened when a woman in adultery was brought to Muhammad? It's the history repeated itself in an amazing way when 600 years later, Muhammad received Muslim woman adultery, uh, Muslim woman was commit adultery. And the reason that a Muslim brought her to him because the Islamic judgment of adultery wasn't established yet in Islamic law. So Muhammad asked the woman, do you really commit adultery? She said, yes, Prophet, and I'm pregnant now. And he asked her, fine, go back home, wait till you deliver your baby, and wait with your baby, nursing him or her, and for two years, and then bring your baby and come back to me. She did. She delivered the baby. She nursed the baby for two years. And she carried her baby, and she gave the baby a little piece of bread, you see, to eat it, just to show Muhammad that the, the, the baby, he can eat now. He is not in need for, milk, for nursing anymore. When she came to him, Muhammad took the child from her, commanded his friend to dig a hole in the ground. They put her in a hole. Only her head was above the ground. They stoned her and killed her in front of her baby. Now, folks, let me tell you something very amazing about this. When Mark was in South Africa, he was living with a Christian family, and they invited him to uh, go meet with a Muslim woman they had met who was living in abject poverty. And when he went in there, she was greatly honored when she found out he had been a professor at Al-Hazar University. Oh, she was so honored. And uh, she uh, uh, began to honor him. And he said, well, you don't understand. I'm not a, a Christian anymore. I, I mean, a, a Muslim anymore. I have become a Christian. Then she was astonished and, and upset. And, and uh, she asked him why he would, uh, would, would leave uh, the Islamic religion. And he told her the story. He told her the story about Jesus and Muhammad. This story he just told you. He yes. told us that story. And the woman began to weep and weep and weep. And he said, what, why are you sobbing? She said, I am that woman. I am that woman. I am living here in abject poverty because I committed adultery. My family's trying to kill me. I'm hiding out. I want Jesus. I don't want Muhammad. And through the telling of that story, she accepted Jesus. She accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. He delivered her baby. Her baby was baptized in Baptist praise Church. And we just praising the Folks, Lord for that. The whole book, Jesus and Muhammad, that tells stories about amazing <laughs> co uh, uh, parallels between the life of Muhammad and Jesus where they had similar situations and shows the difference in the way in which they responded to them. Mark, our time is almost up. We have just about one minute. Would you just look directly in the camera and talk to any Muslim who may be watching this program? What would you say to any Muslim? I would, I would like to say to any Muslim man or woman in any place around the world, Islam will not give you peace. Muhammad will never lead you to a right way to connect with God 
and to experience his love, his forgiveness, his peace. There is only Jesus Christ can give you the peace in your life, can forgive your sin, because he is the Lord of Lords, he is the Prince of Peace, he is the forgiver, he the one came to tell us about the secret of heaven, he is the one came to connect us with the Godfather. Muslims, man or woman, please think carefully about your life first, the condition where you live under. Look about the miserable life which Muslims living in any part around the world. Hatred, bloodshed, killing, conflict, terrorist. There is, there is only way for you to get out of this mess is just to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And by meeting with him face to face, you're going to experience the gift which you're going to receive through him. Your sin will be forgiven. Your heart will fill with love. And you're going to experience the forgiveness. And you're going to feel and experience the freedom from sin and from the bondage of Satan. And you're going to find your way to God. And you're going to find you are in the right place. I pray for you and the power of my Lord Jesus Christ, able to reach your heart in the same way he did with me. I want to thank you for tuning in this week. I hope the program has been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. I want to personally invite you to attend our annual Bible conference that we are going to host in Dallas, Texas area the last week in June on Friday and Saturday the 24th and 25th. The theme of the conference will be Christianity in Crisis. It will begin on Friday evening, June 24th, with a concert by the great Christian recording artist Dallas Holmes, who was inducted into the Christian Music Hall of Fame in 2007. We're going to have six featured speakers at the conference. I will be one of them. Another will be Kirby Anderson, who is the National Director of Probe Ministries. He will speak on the challenge of Islam. Another of our guest speakers will be Frank Wright, who is the President of the National Religious Broadcasters. His presentation will be concerned with the challenge of government. Still another speaker will be John Morris, who is the President of the Institute for Creation Research. He will be speaking on the challenge of evolution. The topic, the challenge of apostasy, will be covered by James Walker, the President of Watchman Fellowship, which is an apologetics and discernment ministry. Finally, we will hear from Ron Rhodes, the President of Reasoning from the Scripture Ministries. He will speak on the challenge of humanism and atheism. The conference will be free of charge, but is necessary for you to register. You can find the registration information on our website at lamblion.com or you can call us at 972-736-3567. We will also be featuring throughout the conference the singing of Jack Hollinsworth of Acts 29 Ministries. Jack is the singer that we have featured the most on this television program. I'd like to invite you to come and check out our website at www.lamblion.com. You will find a wealth of information about Bible prophecy, gaining a big picture view into God's plan for the ages and learn how His eternal plan relates to you in the here and now. Watch online episodes of Christ and Prophecy for in-depth teachings on end-time events. Read from the library of articles covering all aspects of God's prophetic word. 
Subscribe free to receive the Lamplighter magazine, e-newsletter, and blog to stay up to date on current events as they relate to Bible prophecy. Equip yourself to share the good news with others using materials from our resource center. Come visit lamblion.com today. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.